My name is James Callis. I play Dr. Gaius Baltar on Battlestar Galactica, and you're listening to Galactical Quorum. Boss, you <laughs> kind of let the robot escape. I tried to fall, I can't even do that right. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. It's a fracking podcast about Battlestar Galactica and Caprica. This is episode 91. I'm Ryan. I'm Dimitri. I'm Michelle. I'm Jen. Jason. <laughs> you can reach us at galacticacorum.com. Our email is gquorum at gmail.com. That's spelled G-Q-U-O-R-U-M. Our voicemail, 301-358-5175. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter name is Galactica Quorum. For this episode, we'll be talking about the Caprica episode, End of Line. We have not listened to the official sci-fi podcast for this episode. We will not be discussing any spoilers, but we will be speculating. I want to mention our other podcast, Geek Quorum, where we talk about other sci-fi shows and movies. Now that Caprica is hitting its mid-season break, which could go on for who knows how long, we'll be talking about other stories and movies in the Geek Quorum podcast. So check that out. That's at geekquorum.com. And on iTunes, look up Geek Quorum. For this podcast, we'll be talking about a specific episode. But the next podcast, we'll be talking about Caprica as we've viewed it for the series so far. And also an coming overview? up... An overview. An <laughs> overview. We also have an interview with director Michael Nankin, who directed several of what I consider the best BSG episodes, as well as a couple episodes from Caprica. So that will be coming up very soon. Now, regarding the sci-fi podcast, I haven't listened to the one for this particular episode, but in a previous episode, David Icke was mentioning some of the show decisions they had been making, and they had a interesting revelation about the plotline for Amanda and her craziness. Apparently, the original idea for Amanda and the vision of her dead brother was something a little bit more off the wall. As they originally conceived it, and I guess to a degree actually filmed it, the dead brother was more along the lines of something you'd see in a a soap opera, like daytime soap opera, where Virgis hired a body double and has him appear wherever Amanda goes to make her think she's going crazy. What? They eventually thought that was too ridiculous. (laughs) And decided to pull that idea and just have her actually feel like she is seeing his uh, ghost. So instead of her thinking she's going crazy, she actually is going crazy. Right. Got it. But originally the plan was that Virgis had a scheme to... That might have been actually better. Yeah, it would (laughs) have made more sense. Weirdly enough, it would be better for the simple fact that at least Virgis is an interesting character. It would have been payback. So it, 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 it would have been a payback. It would have been a nice way to get a, someone we actually give a crap about on screen more. Well, what's the they were, So they decided not to do it because they thought it was too soap opera. Yeah, they thought it was too campy and absurd. I think they're wrong. Wait, wait, wait. That's the part of the show they think would have been absurd. <laughs> That's the part of the show. Okay. <laughs> Moving on, just some emails and posts that we've received. We got a post from Mary. We were talking about Clarice in a previous episode, how she had gone over to Greystone Manor and her attempts at getting information out of Amanda. I thought that was sort of comical. And she wrote that I believe Clarice's spy work was previously part of the humor that was supposed to be injected into the show. And I guess that kind of goes back to the whole campiness that they originally were going for. 
for those who watched Rome, it was a very Adia, that's a character on there, scheme, and therefore not thoroughly thought out and doomed to failure. I think Clarice was just one of the many characters that they didn't know what to do with. And they changed in midstream how she was going to be presented and if she was going to be evil or if she was going to be comical or if she was going to be manipulative or manipulated. Now, I've asked people to write in and call about you know, what they think of the show so far. And we have a couple contrasting viewpoints. So first of all, here is a voicemail. Hey guys, this is Dre in Boston. I just wanted to um, give you a quick message here. I just listened to your last aired Caprica Quorum, or Galactica Quorum episode. And um, I think I've pretty much given up on this show, guys. I really don't like it. Although I like listening to you guys, I'll still stick around to your podcast. But uh, I'm more interested in the Geek Quorum now and hearing what you have to say about some other shows because there's still some other good shows out there. But uh, Caprica just really sucks. I have a feeling like you were just touching on that maybe some of the writers are not as, the better writers are not as involved in the show. And I think that's probably the case because it's just terrible. And uh, I'm just hoping that you guys will cover a couple of shows. I just wanted to make sort of a request. I've been watching The Survivors, a BBC show, which is pretty cool. And uh, I've been watching V, Lost. So, you know, I'd like to hear you guys' opinions on those shows. And also, I wanted to thank you for turning me on to The Guild, which uh, you guys mentioned, and I really enjoyed watching that. So keep it up. Thanks a lot. Can't wait for the next Geek Quorum episode. Bye. Thank you for that. And now for the other side, I got an email from Justin, who writes regarding Ghost in the Machine, which is a episode that I thought was terrible. That was the one where... Zoe is put through all those torturous things and oh, um, just, just stands there and doesn't... Yeah, where they actually did a good episode for 55 minutes and then decided, how can we screw this up? What was the bad part? I don't remember. Well, it was interesting up until she said, oh, well, yeah, I knew it was. I knew they were blanks the minute oh, he put it in my yeah, hand. Okay, oh, so okay. all that fake that. suspense was just right. that, fake suspense. Yeah. If they'd left that scene out, that probably would have been a good episode. I still would have hated it because this is Zoe... You're just a hater. I'm a hater because I think she's a terrible character. She's not. <laughs> but you must agree with us that you would have hated it slightly less had they omitted the part where she says that she knew the gun was empty. Slightly yes, yes. Right. So he writes, I have to agree with Jesse on this one. I thought it was a great episode. I loved how mean Daniel got with Zoe. I loved how you could see her putting faith in the robot more and more and actually feeling like she is the robot. How else does she stay in the ring of fire and trust that the robot is right when it weighed the gun and realized it was light? I also find myself enjoying Amanda's descent into madness. They took the time to explain her mental problems when her brother died, and her daughter dying is triggering the same things. I have enough faith in the writers to think that they are doing this for a reason. I think it's unreasonable to expect them to reveal all their whys in the first six or seven or even 15 episodes. I hear a lot of, I don't understand why this is, but why would you expect to understand it? We're only seven episodes in. It's not that I don't understand Amanda going crazy. I just don't like the storyline. I think it's uh, not interesting. I think the problem on the one part about why would you understand seven episodes in is it's the way a show flows. If you don't understand it from the get-go, you check out. I mean, look at Lost. It was actually pretty straightforward with a few little mysteries for a season, and they got a lot of people hooked. Then they started making it all about, did I just understand that? Did I hear that right? If you start too soon with the what is this all about, People just drift away. And I think it's not too much to ask for a show to have its legs by seven episodes in because 
if you look at the first season of Battlestar, first season of Battlestar was about 12 episodes, not counting the miniseries. You can count several episodes that are really, really good. I mean, there's 33, obviously. There's a whole bunch of episodes where you have memorable scenes or events that took place that you want to go back and see them again. That has been lacking. Like, when I go back to the last nine episodes or however many it's been of Caprica, I can't think of something that I want to revisit. I'm going a little bit on faith here because I think that the, the backstory and everything about what Caprica is supposed to be about can be interesting. I don't think they've done it in the best way that they could have. So I'm kind of waiting for them to get over their like seasickness or whatever it is that they've got going on and get straightened out. I think they could have changed up some of the stories they were telling to make it more interesting, like figuring out what happened with the train bombing and focus more on the police work that would be going into that. But they just left those pseudo-FBI agents out after episode three or whatever. After they searched the school, it was like, yeah, "Yeah, okay, those guys are done. Yeah. They've been spending a lot of time rehashing the same scenes over, like way too much time in New Cap City, which... Is interesting, but they're chasing after a ghost that they never catch up to. And I think that there's a lot, there's rich fodder here. They just haven't been going at it the right way. And then maybe they'll figure it out after the break. Well, you know, the thing is, it's like in universe, there is a huge arc. Every episode has a story that starts and ends in that hour that you watch it. Whereas Caprica... It is, is a lot more like a soap opera. It's more like a soap opera because it's just continuous. So maybe it's just the way we are pre-programmed to watch shows or whatever. We like to have... You know, you watch a show, you want to feel some sort of accomplishment of something. And so if it's a soap opera and it keeps on going and it's just... This happens and then this happens and this happens. But there's no, like, a small story within the big story for every episode. Last weekend, I actually ended up watching like three or four straight Buffy episodes that were being run by a a station. It was the Initiative Adam season, which was like easily their worst one. But watching those like three or four straight ones was still more interesting than watching Caprica. Yeah, because even though it's like you were kind of almost in the middle, Buffy was perfect at doing a story arc that was a one hour long, but also advanced the entire season. I mentioned this a couple of podcasts ago. Where I brought up Lost as an example because I said you need to have little mini achievements that the characters can do to make you feel like you are going somewhere, or at least have once in a while have a carrot that'll get you through because otherwise you're just floating along and you're not sure where you're going. Write it so that something happens, right, that you would think in the moment, oh, that is just a secondary story or the big story that's just happening on Caprica. But maybe like two or three episodes later, whatever happened then, three weeks ago, they tied in to something in the big arc, but later, and you're like, oh, I get it, you know? I think they're doing that. They're just stretching it out too long. They're trying to set up a moment where it's like, boom, 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 and you're like, oh, you know, where it should be little. And along like the cop storyline, I mean... In Lost, there are certainly characters that don't show up like one week to the next, but they don't disappear for four weeks for fear of being completely forgotten. I mean, I could accept it if like, okay, the inept cops raid the school, get outfoxed by teenagers again, and then disappear for an episode. But then two weeks later, you bring in a scene where it's like, you search the school, you come in there, okay, what do we do now? And this they clean is, out her this, room, too. Yeah, this, yeah. There's nothing yeah, you could that, find in there? Yeah, bring that back. Hey, look. We sifted through thousands of pieces of teenage junk, and we found this styrofoam cup. What is it? Okay, are we ready to move on to the actual episode itself? Yeah, All right. it has to be done. 
Okay, so this is the recap for the episode End of Line. You may find yourself living in a cybernetic shape. You may find yourself in another part of the world. You may find yourself behind the wheel of a large automobile. You may ask yourself, well, how did I get here? Going back several hours, we see Clarice confronting Barnabas, asserting her authority on his turf. Probably not the best strategy long term. Amanda is letting the days go by by popping pills and having flashbacks. She calls up her BFF, but Clarice gives her the brush off, basically saying, Sorry, honey, I gotta get away from your dose of crazy. Barnabas tells Lacey he'll ship her mystery crackerjack crate with the surprise inside if she does him a little favor. All she has to do is pull a little switcheroo with Clarice's keys. Conveniently, Clarice happens to be back at school for the first time in weeks, so Lacey is able to slip in her office and make the swap. Daniel is still promising the government he'll meet the delivery date of the U87 contract, but the deadline is moved up. Running out of options, he tells Philo to ignore the first four steps of the tech support troubleshooting guide. Step one, ensure your robot is plugged into the power source and skip right to wiping the robot's memory to remove all anomalies. It's a Hallmark card holiday on Caprica and Daniel is preparing something nice. He went downtown, he bought some broccoli, he brought it home, he's chopping broccoli. <laughs> but Amanda can't get past the notion of Daniel being involved in theft and murder and ambles out of the house. Where does this highway lead to? A tall bridge, apparently. In New Cap City, Joseph finally finds Tamara, but she tearfully has something to tell him. This is not your beautiful house, and I'm not your beautiful daughter. The message is clear. Go back to your real life that you have, and let her go. And she shoots his avatar away. Joseph comes back to the real world, too upset to notice that Emmanuel was Evelyn. She's a hot-blooded Toron and a girl gamer? Marry that chick now. Philo is about to start the process of scrubbing Zoe's chip, it's not as dirty as it sounds, when Zoe speaks. She implores him to look beyond the towering, intimidating assembly of chrome and steel and instead see the harmless sweet girl within. He sounds the alarm and probably gets killed by the eight-foot-tall robot. Opening the door that Philo unlocked for her... No, wait. He didn't unlock anything. What did she need him for again? Anyway, Zoe opens the door to the garage and fortunately there's a truck with a robot-sized cab and she peels off. Amanda is up on the bridge. Clarice sees Amanda seemingly about to take a leap into the blue, into the silent water. Then a bomb goes off in her trunk, set off remotely by Lacey. Meanwhile, Zoe is about to plow through a roadblock consisting of an ice cream truck and a rental van from Home Depot. The truck flips and explodes, same as it ever was. Roll credits. Well, you've just made fun of all the points that I wanted to make fun of. Now. I'm leaving. <laughs> I mean, you said it. Eight-foot robot sits in a, into a van, and that, how is that possible? I also didn't like the fact that when she talked to tech guy, she sounded like a girl. She shouldn't have sounded like a girl because that only works if you have your own vocal cords. She had some sort of speaker, so she could have been just all machine. I wanted to be good, but I didn't like it. Jen, here, the Brainiac, she'll go. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. You're waiting to see what the show evolves into? Is that what you mean? Yeah, I have faith that it's going to turn itself around. I think that there are interesting concepts that can turn themselves around. (laughs) I don't think I hate it as much as you guys seem to. There are dumb things like the robot fitting into a car that's normally driven by Capricans. Although Capricorn delivery men may be an eight foot tall right. race of special people. Right. There are definitely things that are annoying about it. There are things that are dumb, whatever, but I'm waiting for it to turn itself around because I feel like they owe it to us. I think it's sloppy. It's not even the attention to detail. Attention to detail would be like, you know, minuscule things that you're trying to like really be keen on. But just overall information is just you don't pay attention to it and 
that's what stands out in your head. So whether or not there's a good storyline going somewhere, you have something like, for me, the robot talking in a girl's voice. That bothered me so much. I got annoyed. And so maybe I was jaded to whatever happened immediately after. And then the robot gets into the truck. Okay, fine. Let's say it had a really high ceiling and the robot was able to sit down and cool and drive. But this thing weighs a ton. If you're talking about details, wouldn't the front end just squish down a little bit so that it shows the robot just sat down? I mean, it wasn't CGI didn't sit down into an empty van. You're supposed to make us believe that this thing weighs a lot. I mean, when they walked into the boardroom, it was like, dong, dong, dong. You know, it was loud. Was it the robot still at his house? Yeah, see, I thought that too. I had to go back. It's like, wait a minute. He just ran out of like a factory, but he's been at the house. So you're telling me Greystone Manor has like a whole... I had to go back and watch. They they said an establishing shot at the beginning that said through the shot, not through any dialogue, but the robot somehow was moved back to headquarters. Now, how did it get transported there? We don't know. And of course, she had that whole bit where she was... In the van. Yeah, but did they crate her up again? Did she... Last time she got all upset because she was crated up. She was back at the headquarters this time. But if you think about that, she's back at the headquarters, which I would assume would have even more security than Greystone Manor would have had. I mean, Greystone Manor, anyone just walks up to the door, right? And she could have just done the opposite and walked on out. But somehow she... No, Surge wouldn't have let her. Surge, yeah. Surge is badass. what you're saying is, based on this show, we can go up to a couple exits up 270 here to Lockheed Martin and just walk right into the building. Right. Or out. My turn. My turn, because that's been my issue... For weeks, they're working on a robot for a multi-billion dollar military contract, and he gets to keep it at his house. No. Anybody can go down to the lab. So now, okay, here's the three things that can't happen when this show returns. Amanda Greystone can't be alive. But dude, you didn't see it. You have to go back and watch in slow motion. When they show the shot of her up on the bridge, there was a a barge pushing garbage underneath the bridge. Which, <laughs> which would she, hurt just as much as the water. No, no, but it was <laughs> it was pushing old cotton balls. Okay. But but <laughs> you know what? Actually I should have said three. It's really two. In real life, they keep trying to play around that this is really sort of like there's at least enough of human influence on this to be like something to identify with. In real life, Daniel Greystone is never going to be relevant in the storyline again because he let a multi-billion dollar prototype robot out of his factory and drive off. The military will step in and say, yeah, gross negligence, you've lost the contract, you're done. He has no role in this show again unless it's about finding his daughter that he doesn't have access to now because the daughter's in whatever's left of the robot. Following that, what I think what should happen is Virgis is awarded the contract, and then Tauron start making. And I guess the robot should be able to survive, supposedly. Well, yeah, because it's made out of if nothing else, metals and right. Know, well, if nothing else, at least a thing. It's a warrior robot. I liked the last couple scenes of that episode. I have no interest in Amanda Greystone, so if she's dead, great. <laughs> I have very little interest in Zoe, so if something happens and suddenly the thing we speculated on, where it's not really Zoe, it's Tamra. Great. Eric Stoltz has become a whiny little douche as well, at least the character. <laughs> I have no If the Greystone family is wiped off the map of this show, and we can go ahead and go forward with Adama and Virgis and Spike. But how is Adama even interesting at all? Well, he's not, but at least he's, he's such a whiny. He's the worst character. Oh, yeah, he is. But I'm just saying. But how would you speculate that his daughter in the V world, how does that tie into the story? I mean, what would your speculations of that? She's gone matrixy, but she's still looking for an exit. So you could say that maybe she's she. she tap in somehow. She ta- yeah, like 
they tap in together. Like someone figures this out. It's like, you know what? We can get you out of this. And she becomes the sentience for the AI. Yeah. I get the impression that Zoe is the beginning of the robots, but that Tamara is the key to the five. But Tamara would still have to exist in a metal world for years because they established in Galactica, they were kind of thinking about skin jobs, but it took the human Cylons to come back and really get the skin jobs going. I think the only interesting character is Lacey, and they don't use her enough. I think they're going to. I think Lacey's going to become more prominent. And just as an aside to cooler characters that should be cooler going forward... How many times does James Marsters have to come in as an additional character, like five or six episodes into a show, and take it over before someone says, hmm, maybe we should actually bring him in from day one or develop a show around him? He seems to be pretty good at this, unless he just enjoys coming in and bigfooting his way into things. I don't know. So as the cliffhangers go, did you find it to be a good cliffhanger? Essentially, they had three things happen. A bomb went off in Clarissa's car, but she wasn't in it, so we know she's not dead. So that's not really something to think about. Amanda jumps, and the robot hits the barricade, which, in the recap, the re- whole thing I went on about the thing about the barricade was, it just seemed like there was the most puny barrier that they could possibly have created. Like, this multi-billion dollar thing is on the run, and you'd think they'd have, like, tanks all lined up. Or- well, right, well, compared to the air support yeah. that was chasing it, it wasn't on the same scale. You've got these two Osprey, jet-powered Ospreys following it and doing all this crazy maneuvering and stuff. But then again, the robot was only on the road for like 15 minutes, right? So mobilizing a tank barrier in the middle of the woods may yeah. not be as easy. You know, That's which, why the, the, those Ospreys yeah. were following it. Which stuff. I really can't see, by the way, the big cliffhanger, the phone call to Daniel. Unless that phone call is like the next day, it's not really compelling to me because the first call he's going to get is from Greystone Industries going, yeah, boss, we (laughs) kind of let the robot escape because that was something to be reported immediately. Right. If that was Amanda that jumped, the call wouldn't have been about Amanda unless it was the next day. But they kind of set the scene that it was almost like it was right away. It was right away. So the call is about the robot because even if she bounced off the cotton ball ship. You're right. It would take at least a day a day for them to figure out who this sack of bloody potatoes is. <laughs> Maybe it's Virgis calling Greystone saying, I have your robot. Maybe he somehow, after the rack, he was able to get hold of the U87. Well, the only thing you need is the chip. Yeah. But if nobody has the robot, he doesn't need to take the chip out of the robot. If the first scene of the next episode is Amanda Greystone in a hospital bed hooked up to tubes, I'll probably just flip it off. Or maybe she's like she jumped, but her collar got hooked on some sort of uh, <laughs> eye beams sticking out of the thing, and she's just dangling there. And phone call is her <laughs> calling her husband saying, <laughs> "Dude, <laughs> I'm stuck. I'm and I can't get. I, fallen, I tried to fall. I can't even do that right. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I tried to commit suicide, but I'm dangling from the bridge." <laughs> <laughs> a yeah, huge wedgie. The cliffhanger. It reminds me of the algae planet. Because you know, okay, one, if this is a military-grade robot, it's supposed to withstand forces like being blown up. So obviously you're not going to sit there and be like, oh, man, is that robot okay? I mean, is it going to be able to work? Is she okay? Of course she's okay. Right. The robot wasn't blown up by a bomb. It was blown up by a car accident. It reminded me of the yeah. Terminator, Sarah Connor 
cliffhanger they had in the first oh, season. Oh, yeah, the Terminator got blown up? She got blown up in a car. And it's right. like, okay, the, the worst thing that can happen is her skin gets melted off. Which she's it gonna, did. Which it did, but it grows back, whatever. Which Michelle's saying is correct, because yeah. the, the van hit another van, and all it was blowed up was the gasoline. It's I mean, just sure, gonna, maybe the arm or turn, the finger broke off because it was It's going to turn black, know. and it's going to be dingier looking. Right. But it's just, to me, it's just, it it's not a cliffhanger. It's away, and there'll be a... A skin job under the there. thing about the cliffhanger that annoyed me was the Amanda part, and I said I wasn't going to talk about Amanda, but nobody okay. cares. To have if she dies, really, exactly, no one cares. And the thing is, the shot was very similar from a visual perspective of the Forrest Gump scene where Jenny is on the, the balcony and her foot leaves her shoe and she goes up on the railing. Visually, they were very similar, and I just couldn't help but think how totally different those two things were. Like, if Jenny jumps off the bridge, I mean, Forrest Gump, the protagonist, his whole world revolves around her, that character. So he, whether she lives or dies, huge impact, right? right. If she jumps off, nobody cares. Even Daniel doesn't care because his daughter died and he's still going on with his work. And her daughter's dead, or at least her daughter's avatar doesn't care because she didn't talk to her all this time when she was standing there in the, in the house. So for me, that was like, why even have that as a cliffhanger? Because no one care. It's not that the viewers don't care. No one in the Caprica cares. Well, I think maybe Clarice cares them the slightest bit, only because she kept saying that it started with her because she's the well, mother. If Clarice cares about her in any way, it's only because if she's dead, she can't manipulate her anymore. Right. And actually, I don't agree with the premise that Zoe wouldn't care because she's attached to her in some way. She makes a point to Lacey about how her mother, quote unquote, said that she was a monster and it seemed to bother her that her mother was repulsed by her. But But they haven't developed that much. But there is a confusion there. There I don't know if she does anymore. I think at this point, she knows she's not Zoe and I think she's thinking more that she is her own creation with a Zoe genesis, but she's her own thing and so she can not be attached to these flesh and blood humans that were Zoe's parents. Let's go here for a second. Okay, let's say Amanda did die. All right. What? And is going to become a Cylon. That's clearly going to affect the Cylon, but it's going to affect her husband in some way. What will be the benefit of her dying? The story. I mean, you, he makes we, an avatar. We her. want. We want yeah, to kill that's her, what I was right? Thinking. And but she's he, got this this weird thing where she can see head characters. But that actually a, almost makes sense. He can't make an avatar. I mean, he can make an avatar, but he doesn't have any more of those you know, Iron Man glow chips. He only had that one that he stole. I mean, wouldn't there be like a whole like laboratory of people trying to recreate? I don't know. I'm guessing that North and Drummond, they the have fact that the robot an old man and a teenager yeah. working on the next you know, stealth mm-hmm. fighter. The reason we care about whether Amanda Greystone dies or not, because... One fewer scene of Amanda Greystone drinking and moping each week no, no, creates about, more time for interesting characters. I'm not talking about why we care if she dies. Let's pretend she's dead. How does that, what does her death do to her husband that propels the story? Her death would drive Daniel Greystone to spend 24-7 in the lab and actually progress on this. And then do what Jen said and yeah. make another. But he doesn't have his trusted assistant Philo anymore. Since there only seems to be one really good assistant in all of Caprica, one of you just said they should have a whole room of people. I mean, that would be hard to film or to shoot. I mean, just make it seem like, yeah, we have a big R&D lab. I mean, people working on it. The person playing the defense secretary was another BSG actor. You might have recognized her. She was the hard-ass sergeant person at arms. On the Pegasus, yeah. yeah. Another BSG actor they're repurposing. They repurpose a lot of BSG actors. Uh, I'm just starting to think. At some point, they're going to have like three or four in a scene, and it is going to affect me because I'm going to be like, 
This is weird. That would be weird, right? Because if they were 40 years from now, they'd be like 70 years old. Because they already, because Virgis was the CAG on Pegasus. And they, were, they were so minor. They were minor, but, but I'm saying thing, if they bring in enough at some geeks. point. We remember. But here's the thing. Aren't there enough actors that they can bring in other actors? I mean, they're like it's like incest. <laughs> maybe it's you want maybe, maybe you already want an actor who's at least fairly familiar with the mythology. But it's acting. Acting is I'm actually a nice person, but in this movie, I'm gonna skin you and then wear your face on my face. Is that wrong? <laughs> It's not like I didn't actually do that at my mom's house on the weekend. I mean, I'm just acting. Let's move on to our grades. I'm going to give it a C. That's pretty much my feelings for the series in general. It's a total incomplete until I see the opening scenes of the next episode. I agree with Jason. (laughs) I agree with Jason. I'm going to agree with Brian. (laughs) Uh, Two C's and and three N.A.'s. Three incompletes. Let, let's put it this way. Okay. I got ahead in college flight. The entire time that Caprica was on, I was home taking care of a newborn. And I was watching it, but not really paying attention because it wasn't even worth me paying attention to. The show or the newborn? <laughs> <laughs> the show. So I did watch it. I know what you guys have been talking about. I listened to the podcast, but it didn't capture my attention enough for me to like wait till she was asleep. It's not or- moving the needle for us right now. Caprica is... Phantom Menace at this point. Oh, I don't. It's not that bad. No, I, I wouldn't go that far. You sure? Yeah. Caprica. Didn't you just wait? Say wait, wait, you wait, wait. Didn't care at all. Wait, 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 wait. I mean, Caprica is Jar Jar Binks. No, it's not no. that it's bad. Not that no. no. Now remember, we're saying Caprica doesn't move the needle at all. Jar Jar Binks moved the needle just in the wrong direction. See, I would say Caprica is more Padme. We're supposed to be convinced that this is the story of how this all started, but right now we're just like, okay, whatever. Okay, what we've established is that Caprica doesn't even warrant its own comparative sorts of grades that you have to compare it to Star Wars in order to grade it. (laughs) I think we should just stick with two C's and a... It's why this is still Galactica for them. Okay, so uh, for our wrap-up of the series so far episode, send us your feedback about what you think this series is done, where you think it's going, and we'll uh, do a lot of speculation next time. Our email is gcorum at gmail.com. Our voicemail, 301-358-5175. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to our other podcast, Geek Quorum. The jump clock is running. We'll see you next time. Thanks for subscribing. Bye-bye. So say we all. What the fuck? Can we please? Sorry. What happened? I don't know. There's just I did. Should we leave the room and then shuffle it? This is a bad idea. Come on, Brian. It's not a bad idea. You know you love it. (laughs) He looks like he's cold. I think you need to make Dima go on Skype. That's great. Okay, Brian, just go. Come on. Just go. I'm trying. But I. You keep goofing around, Dima. You can't step on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. If we were drinking, it'd be different. All right. Okay, apparently your nose is not like if, a fingertip. If. Done that. If.
Okay, go ahead. 